Can we um, just bow our heads and just ask the Lord to join us? Gracious God, thank you so much, Lord, for this day. It's a gift. Thank you for bringing each person here safely. Lord, we just ask that you would be honored in everything that's said, that you would guide our thoughts and our discussion. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My name is Marcia Nayak, and it's a pleasure to be with you. I am the International Coordinator for Women's Cycle of Life. It's a um, program with Medical Ambassadors International. And it's a privilege to be with you today, and I'm looking forward to introducing um, our curriculum. Um, One of the reasons that I am so passionate to do what I do and so thankful that God has allowed me to be part of Women's Cycle of Life and of Medical Ambassadors International is our comments like this that our participants have said. Um, when I was in China last year, one of our, several of the women came up to me at the end of the week and they said, you know, this may sound really strange to you. For the first time in our lives, we want to be women And it really blew me away because I was like, I had no idea. I thought I knew, but I didn't realize the impact that um, this type of approach and this type of a curriculum could have um, for the participants and, um, Lord willing, for their families and also for their communities. So our aim with Women's Cycle of Life and Medical Ambassadors International is for women in their communities to thrive. And what does it mean to thrive? It means to make steady progress, to prosper, to grow vigorously, and to flourish. And our aim is that that happens in Jesus' name. Um, We like to use analogies um, of a tree. And one of my my favorite um, psalms that I memorized as a child was Psalm 1. And it talks about the person who is blessed because he follows or he or she follows the way of the Lord. And they're like a tree planted by water that brings forth fruit in the season, whose leaf doesn't wither, and whatever they do will prosper. And um, so that is our aim with our program um, for Women's Cycle of Life. Okay. So Women's Cycle of Life is based on a community health evangelism philosophy. It's an integrated model, and by integrated I mean that we don't separate our faith from science or from um, anything, our career. It's integrated. It's a word and deed approach. Um, It's assets-based. That means that when we go into a community, we're we're asking them to identify their strengths, their resources, what they're able to do, and then also identify the problems and then how they can solve them. It's um, prevention-focused. So we're we're not a curative care medical clinic. Um, We don't do that, uh, although we do cooperate with um, organizations at times who bring in um, physicians and um, medical teams. However, our our primary approach is um, prevention, so education, and health promotion. And we're community-owned. So whenever I am looking or invited to go into a community, whenever our teams are invited to go into a community, 
our question is, how can we work ourselves out of a job? How can we make sure that there is someone or a team in this community that when we're not here anymore, they can continue this work, they can continue the impact, and that it can multiply? So that's our goal, um, is to have the ownership. They have their own team. They can continue the work. And they also guide it. So um, in Ghana, it looks different than it does in Guatemala. In Cambodia, it looks different than it does in China because they have their own specific needs and they have their own cultures, etc. It's holistic. So we look at the whole person. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, we look at health in a sense of your spiritual health, physical health, emotional health, your relationships, and all of the um, aspects of a person are part of our curriculum. And we're God-honoring. That, that is our goal, too, um, to honor God throughout everything that we do. Um, so we don't put a Christian label on development. We are a development um, organization. We uh, have a biblical framework and worldview that informs every part of our curriculum. So um, even if it's a physical health lesson, we also recognize that knowledge and truth is from God. And so if we're talking about tuberculosis, we might not have you know, Bible verses attached to that particular lesson, but um, we still have that foundation that we're always able to refer to of Knowledge is from God, wisdom and truth are his, and so this is edifying to the community. We recognize that ideas have consequences. Has anyone in here read Daryl Miller's book, Discipling the Nations, or heard of it? Great, a couple of you have. It's an excellent book. I highly, highly recommend it. This is from his book, um, and we see this over and over in our communities that um, ideas have consequences. We use this model in our curriculum. It's one of our foundational lessons. And you think, well, what does this have to do with health? Um, well, when we look at a lot of health outcomes, let's talk about HIV, for example. Um, when we follow HIV from being the fruit on a tree, we follow it down to... The behaviors, which are the branches, we recognize that the behaviors um, are shaped by or guided by values. The values in that culture are guided by their beliefs. So if in this culture they believe that women aren't valuable, that they are a commodity to be bought and sold, if they believe that, um, that sex is free-for-all, that there is no uh, morality involved, those beliefs will trigger behaviors which end up with outcomes. And so in each culture, it's fascinating to go in, and I'm as much of a learner. Our teams are as much learning um, as our participants are, which is a neat aspect of our curriculum. But we are learning as much about their beliefs, and they are learning their beliefs to identify what is it that's at the root of these outcomes that we're seeing. What is causing this? What is the root of why these babies? So for instance, there are some cultures where the babies are starved. 
They're malnourished. And so we talk about why is this happening? What are the behaviors? And then what are the values that are guiding them? And then in doing so, because we have an integrated curriculum, we look at, okay, this is what our culture says about this. This is what we've always believed. What does God say about this? What does God have to say? And a lot of times it's amazing to see um, them put those pieces together. It's not something that I do for them. In fact, they infor- they're informed. It's a self-discovery process. Very, very exciting for them. So here's an example from um, a training I was in uh, West Bengal, India, this, earlier this year. And one of the women, this is a Christian woman, she said, a woman in our community had five girls but no boys. So here they say she's barren. And she wanted to see, you know, what that meant. So we were able to go and look at, you know, what God says about women, who controls, opens and closes the womb, etc. And it helps them look at their own culture and say, oh, this is what they say about this. And then, oh, what does God say about this, and how should we respond? Here's another example of ideas that have consequences. Um, A friend of mine, uh, she wrote, in Afghan society, it happens that if a family has a girl, they won't even talk about it. You may not know for many months that they even had a little baby. Females are not viewed as particularly important in this society and culture for a myriad of reasons. Um, So I could continue with a lot of different types of quotes, and I'm sure each of you in this room have read or experienced something like this where you're like, what is going on here? Why is this the case? But when we go through the curriculum with the women in their own communities and with their husbands also, many of the communities have women and men together, and they look at these issues, they're able to identify the roots, the beliefs, and then start to transform through um, replacing those beliefs, which are actually lies, with truth. It's easy to become paralyzed um, emotionally, by the enormity of the situation. If you look around the globe, if you've read Half the Sky, if you've read Forgotten Girls, if you've read so many um, different articles in the news or um, read things, we are aware of the enormity of the situation and the challenges that confront women in the developing world. However, we do not take our cue from what is but from what ought to be. As believers and working in an integrated Um, ministry recognize that we need to see where God has us going. We need to have the redemptive perspective and move toward that. Um, Not being unaware and not ignoring the fact that there are major challenges, but moving always toward that goal of redemption of the individual, of the family, of the community, and overall of the society and nation. So Jesus is in the, in the business of redemption at every level, and um, that is what our curriculum is working toward. So we understand Christ's redemptive plan for the nations, and so we advance toward truth and against lies. So it's amazing to me, when I was in China, we went through a fetal development lesson. We passed around the 12-week um, model of, a, of an infant developing fetus. 
fasted around, we discussed scriptures, and we just talked about how we're fearfully and wonderfully made, how we're created in the image of God, how we're knit together in our mother's womb, and how it's a wonderful work, and how we rejoice over that. And as we went through this this lesson, um, at the end of the week, one of the girls, one of the young women from the indigenous tribe in uh, China, burst into tears. And we didn't really know, because it wasn't that lesson any longer, we weren't really sure why she was crying. So once we were able to comfort her and open it up so that she was able to explain what was going on, she said, you know, um, there's a woman in our community, in our village. She's having her third pregnancy. She's in a very horrible, um, broken relationship with a uh, a man who's not um, caring for, for her well. She can't afford to take care of the two children she already has. And we um, have been counseling her that she needs to, to terminate. She needs to abort this third baby. And she sobbed. She just sobbed and sobbed. And um, she said, and now we see. We need to give her different advice. We need to support her. We need to be there for her. We need to find a way to help. And um, we didn't have a lesson that told them that anything about abortion. All we did was give them truth, and the truth replaced the lies um, and overcame them. We, we advanced toward love and overcome hatred. Um, again, in China, I, I, love, I love my, my group in China. They're amazing women, and um, they had teams that went back to their own communities after the training, um, and they're in 16 different provinces, and um, in one of the provinces, they, they had a women's group that got together, and the one woman, she's like, she had so much conflict with her husband, just conflict, 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 and um, it was to the point where there was just animosity, and um, after a year when we went back, our team went back, and they reported, and they said this woman, after having the training, she went back to her community and started um, building into her relationship. She recognized that healthy relationships require work, and bringing um, God's purpose for husbands and wives, understanding how to speak with love, understanding how to be kind, basic things we sometimes would think, but for her, it transformed her marriage. It transformed her home into a place where there was strife and hatred to a place where there was love. And um, so she's now very excited to share that with her community. Um, Knowledge, we move toward knowledge against ignorance. We move toward vitality instead of despairing. Um, And so many communities they haven't had anyone ask them the questions. And so when they look around and they see what is, they're paralyzed by it. They're in despair. They don't know that anything can change. And really, our team acts and the curriculum um, kind of is like a catalyst. It opens the questions. It opens the discussion. And it helps move people toward um, solving those problems. It gives hope. It gives vitality. It renews life. Um, through God's spirit, <laughs> not, not without him at all. Um, we move toward healthy pregnancy and birth. The um, Women's Cycle of Life originally began as a perinatal support. Um, that was the f- 
core focus originally, and God has continued to help us grow beyond that, but we are about saving moms and babies and giving them the knowledge that they need to recognize what a healthy pregnancy is, to seek out um, the prenatal care that they need, and to recognize when there's an emergency. In Afghanistan, um, there, there's a team that the men, they wanted to take the Women's Cycle of Life training. They said, we need to know when to take our wives to get care. And in their culture, before that, the, the mother-in-laws were the ones that determined if, if the woman ever was, when she was laboring, if she got taken for medical care. And, um, and I believe it was either in Afghanistan or one of the Stan uh, countries, the um, husband, after going through the training, um, he saw one of the symptoms that was an, um, it was an emergency symptom. And his, his mother said, no, 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 you don't need to take her anywhere. And he's like, we are going to the doctor now. This is an emergency. He wanted to take care of his wife. And it's really powerful. So he did it. You know, he saved his wife's life. And so we moved toward healthy pregnancy and birth. Um, we moved toward nurture against neglect. In Egypt, um, there was a mother who, um, sh- she was actually involved more in a children's uh, community health evangelism uh, ministry. Her son um, was pretty aggressive, had some pretty serious behavioral issues, and um, he was going to the children's, cha- uh, children's group. And uh, so she noticed his behavior starting to change. And so she wanted to know why, and she sought out one of the community health evangelist um, team, and she said, what's going on with my son? He's always been so aggressive, and now he's, he's like, kind, and he's respectful, and what's happening to him? And so she, the, the leader of this group was able to share the gospel, and she said, this is the love of God that's manifesting itself in your son. And this mother was so struck that, and the Holy Spirit just touched her heart, and she started to cry, and she started to say, you know, I haven't really taught him, and I haven't cared for him well. And so God started to transform her into becoming a more caring and nurturing mother. And so that's another way that um, community health evangelism and Women's Cycle of Life, we work together, we're a team, and um, we, we move toward nurture and family wholeness. Um, Restoring brokenness. <clears throat> so here's some of the lesson materials that we use, some of the actual lesson names. We have a, a curriculum. The Women's Cycle of Life curriculum has um, many dozen lessons, but the community health evangelism curriculum itself is um, four to 6,000 lessons. Um, and it's ever-growing because... Each region will identify new things that they need to um, have a lesson about, and they contextualize it to their own setting. So, and we cover topics um, like being created in the image of God. Um, it's a foundational lesson. And the reason it's foundational is because if you don't know who you are in God's eyes, um, you don't have that, those roots. You have to have those, that truth in the roots, and that guides the rest of, of the uh, curriculum. Um, great Women of God, we go through lessons like the lesson of Abigail. It's not always a happy ever after marriage story, 
but that doesn't mean God isn't in your story and that God won't bless you. So we go through um, stories like Abigail and show how God blesses obedience even in spite of difficult situations in the home. Um, Fertility cycle, we help women understand their bodies. There's so much stigma about knowing your own body um, in so many places in the world, and we help women to open the questions, start talking about what they experience, what girls experience as they move from girlhood into womanhood, what women experience during childbearing years, what women experience if they aren't able to conceive, what um, women experience when they transition from childbearing years through menopause. Um, And a lot of these things are stigmatized. And women, um, even in some cultures in Uganda, I was... You know, just heartbroken because we had women who were being put into witch camps because they were starting to act, you know, more erratic emotionally and stuff, and nobody understood what it meant to transition and that that was part of the transition process sometimes that women go through in the struggle between transitioning from childbearing into menopause. Um, We have a lesson, um, How a Baby Grows. And it's pretty fun. It's just helping women to see, like, that process from the beginning toward birth and then helping them to see the stages of birth. Um, I have a lesson called Love and Respect. And it's one of my favorites because it just it helps um, women see and men see how we are made in a complementary way by God and that when um, we respect um, and love each other in the way that God created, God intended, then we are reflecting his design and his plan for our relationship and our families. Um, and seeing the community through God's eyes, looking outside of our own little bubble, our own little world, and looking to see, where is God giving me opportunities to be light, to be salt, to be um, like yeast in my community and the mustard seed, like Jesus said, Going in and the people that I know, how can I share truth with them and in a way that will transform their, their lives too. So thinking past my own four walls in my room, in my house. Um, we also have uh, lessons on um, business and finance. Characteristics of a sec- successful businesswoman is an introductory lesson. And um, the reason we have this in our curriculum is because in the world, globally, 70% of the people in poverty are female. So we need to have a comprehensive and a holistic approach that recognizes equipping women both to know themselves physically, to know how to build their relationships, but also how to improve their situation financially because it's a huge strain. Um, We have some teams in Cuba, and they have started um, learning how to do manicure and pedicure because that is a way they can bring in income into their family um, and their income in their family has increased some of them by 25% which may not sound like a whole lot but for them it's a lot it makes a a difference for them Um, in Nicaragua we have teams that are doing more um, embroidery and they sell that type of um, work it really varies from place to place what type of uh, businesses they start, but we like to give them that um, mindset and the skill and the confidence. Looking at Proverbs 31, 
that there is a woman that God says, you know, she looked at the field, she considered it, and then she bought it, and then she planted it, and then she sold things to the merchants. And it gives that process, and it's a very affirming way of looking at what women are capable of. You know, in some places they don't even realize, I could do that? Oh, yeah, I could do that. Um, We talk about what is good health, preparing for unexpected emergencies and pregnancy. Oh, let me stop. So this young lady, if you can see her, I don't know if the picture is very clear. She is, um, she is a baker now after going through the training in um, Nicaragua, I believe it is. She now not only has her own bakery where she sells, but she's also training other women in her community to have the same type of skills. And so they work together and they have a business. And um, she's in her teens, but she's training other um, teens and women in her community. So she hasn't kept the knowledge to herself. That's another key aspect is multiplication. Sorry. Okay. We talk about difficult things like women and girls being at risk for HIV. As you know, in many regions, women are trafficked. um, And there are child brides. And there are serious issues that put women at risk. And so we open the conversation so that individual communities can, number one, be aware if they're not aware of the issue and also come together to figure out what the solutions are for their community, how they can address it, what are the roots, what are the motivators that are, having, um, that are pushing that forward and how can they be changed. And then we also talk about puberty, as we said before, the three stages of womanhood. So Women's Cycle of Life is an integral curriculum. So integral, I try to kind of give you a little visual. So we have the spiritual aspect of the person. We have the physical aspect. We have your social. We have your financial aspect. We have your relational. And all of them are working together toward harmony, toward the way that God intended us to be in the beginning. We have a a kind of methodology that is my favorite. Now, most of you, if you like grew up like I did, you had this type of classroom where you had someone standing at the front talking at you and you were taking notes and all of that. And that's great. That's one way to learn. Um, The methodology that we learn is very participatory. So if you came into a a training, you would look around and go, what is going on here? Because you're sitting in a circle. Everyone is interacting. You have role plays. um, You... It's, it's very engaging, and also it's, um, it's learner-centered. So I'm not standing up at the top of the room, at the front of the room, being the expert. I'm sitting with everyone else. We ask a question, and everyone has knowledge to bring to that, to that discussion. And everyone is affirmed in bringing that knowledge to that discussion. And even if it's not quite right on, that's okay because you've participated in this process and you're able to start taking ownership, feeling affirmed that you do have something valuable to say. And um, so every person is involved in the process. It's a problem-posing methodology. So what we do a lot of times is we have a starter. Starter is really short. Um, It's a little role play or it's a story or something like that where there's one problem that is evident in that role play or in that story 
And everyone's able to identify that. And as they identify that, then that opens the conversation. So why does this happen? Does this happen in our place? What can we do about it? Um, it's a self-discovery process. I'm not going to tell you the answer, or very rarely do I fill in those answers, because a lot of times in the room, the answers are already there. And so as, as a facilitator, it's, it's really a neat way to um, kind of step out of the way. For me, I really like it. I step out of the way, and it, all of the people in the room like, they come up with the answers and they come up with the solutions that they want to move toward. And it's guided by the, the scripture. It's action-oriented. So when you leave that place, that knowledge is motivating you to act. So you've made a plan. You've thought about what the situation is that you want to change. And you have steps in your mind of how you want to go and start working on that. And it's spirit-led. Um, this is the last, but it's the most important because um, in every place we have to be aware of what God's spirit is saying. Sometimes we go in and we think, well, they have this problem. This, this is the problem in this community. is so obvious to me. And the Lord is like, every time you try to open that, the community is like, no. That's not what we need. No, that's not what we need. And so we had this happen um, in Afghanistan. One of the teams went in, and they really wanted a literacy program because literacy was a huge issue, and it was. And every time they would um, get together with the community and discuss, literacy just was not a priority. But there was a priority, and it was to have small livestock so that they could start, you know, developing um, a livestock kind of inner exchange. So they listened, and they worked with the community, and they developed it, and they followed this. And what ended up happening was this particular group um, was recognized by UNESCO because they were able to, God blessed their work, and they were able to bring 16 factions in this rural area who hadn't been cooperating with each other, who had blood feuds with each other. They had all kinds of strife previously. And because of the way that the community health evangelists worked together with them, which they can't, they have different names. Um, but anyway, because of that, those factions are now working together. They interact with each other. The number of deaths, from the blood feuds has dropped. And now the leaders of their communities have said, you know what, I think we need some people to do some literacy work here. Okay, so it's really spirit-led. you got to be sensitive to where the Lord is opening the doors. And, um, and he'll show you, he'll guide you. It's really neat. So this is one that I did talk to you about earlier, but one of our participants responded, we had counsel her to get an abortion, but now that we've learned fetal development, we will support her and give her different advice. And um, some of our African sisters, they said, these lessons made me think, this is not just for me. I have so much to teach my mother and my sisters and my friends. And that's what we like to hear the multiplication happening. So, um, so our commitment um, 
with uh, Women's Cycle of Life and with Community Health Evangelism is we want to encourage those who are already in, involved in, um, in, the, or, in the work in Women's Cycle of Life and Shay. We would love to equip others. Our organization is an equipping organization, so we work in partnership with like-minded organizations to help build their teams and have these skills because the world is a really big place. Um, it's really great if there are a lot more people who are able to do this. I'm one, but you all, all, you all are also one, and you can impact a lot more than I can. Um, and we, so we want to multiply. Um, one of our goals is to have uh, Women's Cycle of Life master trainers in every country so that they can um, develop their own country core team that can continue to train and multiply throughout their own region. Um, and partnering with other churches and organizations. So I'll just go through some photos. Um, these are some of the different places and teams. I don't know if that's very clear for you. Um, this is a, a Central American team. This is Uzbekistan and um, uh, Tanzania. And South Sudan up here. Uh, Egypt down below and Ethiopia. Of a team in Haiti. Excellent. Very, very strong team. And Tanzania again. And here's the last um, little thought. All women's issues are to some degree men's issues. And all men's issues are to some degree women's issues. Because when <coughs> either sex wins unilaterally, both sexes lose. Okay. I just thought that was really kind of speaks to my heart. So, um, so thank you very much. This is our website and our Facebook page. So if you're interested in more, want to get connected, please do. And I can open it up if you have any questions or any ideas or thoughts. Um, yes? If you're training and equipping um, the indigenous people to be leaders, how many cycles through does it take for them to completely run a program? Or is that your goal? Mm -hmm. So for community health evangelism, the, to get a CHE um, community established is approximately a five-year Ideally, a five-year process. It can take much longer, but we, we aim toward getting them equipped and independent in about five years. Yes? Right. So our, our trainers contextualize to the area that they're in. So um, if the Bible is not welcome, um, a lot of times they use storying. So they use Bible stories with, and, and they just read a story. And they'll talk about it in that way. Um, there, there are places in Muslim countries, a lot of times we can use the Old Testament freely because that's part of they, they they agree with the Old Testament. So those stories are incorporated. Um, in, uh, in more animist countries, we still just help them to understand, like they do understand that we are a Christian organization. We don't hide that um, unless it's forced that we have to hide that it's a Christian organization. Then we work with local development. But, um, uh, yeah, we just help them to say, well, 
the creator God, you know, made you and for a purpose. And so it's contextualized. It really depends on which area you're in. Um, we could talk more about it, and I could put you in contact with some of our uh, reps who work in the creative access countries if you're interested in that. Yes. Um, a curriculum specifically for that we don't our curriculum is very comprehensive all the way across it does deal with trafficking as far as some of our lessons but it's not specifically geared toward um, safe house Um, it really helps a woman see who she is from God's eyes so it's helpful in many situations Um, we do have one group who is in um, Uganda and they have a safe house and they use the curriculum. Um, they feel that it's very valuable for them. So the curriculum is available once you've been trained. Um, so I would check out the website because it lists trainings. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just a participatory area. At least some of the places. <coughs> They're very hesitant to get involved. And I'm just curious, you know, with the role plays, do you always have somebody who's willing to do that to kind of get things going? Mm-hmm. Or how how do you stimulate moving from that, you know, shy being talked at into mm-hmm. really getting them involved? It's pretty amazing once you s- sit down and just kind of be patient. They're, because as Americans we want to make things happen like this, just being willing to kind of sit there and just be patient and smile and be open. And people open up like a flower blossoming. It's really awesome to see. And then sometimes their role plays become, instead of an opener, it becomes a role play. You know, it's a long drama. Um, so then you kind of have to help them to understand openers. But, yeah, it's, it's really neat to see um, I haven't been in any uh, groups where there wasn't someone who was willing to be a famous actress for a couple of minutes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, WCL is incorporated in the CHE program. It's one component. Um, and it's specifically geared toward women. Um, the CHE curriculum is geared toward complete communities. Mm-hmm. Yes? Do you have um, like formal evaluative mechanisms after the program's done, like either receiving feedback from the participants or the other staff? We do have some um, evaluation forms that we, we hand out. Um, it's not um, standardized yet. We're working on it. Yes. Those are two really good points, the money and the white people. Um, (laughs) um, 
our goal is that uh, the, the community owns and operates their own program. So there may be starter funding that's very limited on purpose because um, creating dependency does not help development. Um, the long-term picture is helping them identify local resources and local solutions as much as possible. doesn't mean there's never outside funding. There is some, but really, really, really cautiously. And as far as how many white people are there, um, with all grace, uh, the fewer the better. Um, because really... I mean, unless that's the community. If that's the community, fine, okay? And if God has you there, then God has you there. But um, we don't bring in big teams um, to do it for them. It's usually just one or two of us, and we really act. Um, those of you in chemistry know the concept of a catalyst, a very, very small amount of something to help get the process going and then get out of the way, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it may be that there are one or two white people there for five years. We do have a team. Um, so there are a lot of mission, missions groups who are planting churches and stuff, and they would like to incorporate um, community health evangelism, women's cycle of life into their, um, into their ministries. And they're there long term. And so they... We, we come alongside of them and equip them and their own communities to um, become their own team. And, yes, and hopefully in five years they'll be doing it themselves. So it will be all of the local people from that church who are making this happen. Um, yeah, so hopefully, yeah. Yes. So we have both. Um, in, in the Congo, uh, we had some missionaries who were there, and they recognized that the relief efforts that they had been doing weren't, weren't really the long-term solution, weren't working toward the long-term solution, so they started using CHE. Um, and uh, so they were doing that, and they were working in just a few villages. Um, those villages, um, once the Civil War came in, um, all of the white people had to leave. All the expats had to leave. And so um, when they left, those villages were equipped, and they continued the work because they valued it. Their neighbors, by the time, I think it was 10 years later, when um, people were able to go back when, and visit, the <laughs> they had tripled, doubled, you know, because their communities had invited them. <laughs> So um, if you're looking at going into a community, you start by doing a lot of relationship building. You don't, we, we don't go in immediately and just say, hey, we've got this curriculum for you guys. Um, it's a lot about relationship building, identifying the people who are respected in the community, who are champions of this, and people who would have the passion and the heart for the community to make it move forward. And then you start working together with them and build the team from there. Yes. Where they're not thrilled about education. Um, 
because of the way that uh, our organization works, we don't force anything. Um, we don't go into a community unless there has been an, an invitation in a sense. Like we don't start things. There may be people move in just for themselves, but as far as starting t- teachings and trainings, um, trying to work with uh, community leaders, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, try to work with them. So uh, there, in Egypt, for example, um, there was a women's group that did, uh, they were more of a savings group, so microfinance. And one woman did join um, without her husband's knowledge, and she was using some of her grocery money to pay for the little dues. Um, and uh, after attending for a little while, um, she started to think about it. And she's like, you know what? I think she gave her heart to the Lord, and then she realized, she's like, you know what, I need to really communicate with my husband. And she took the risk of telling him, you know, I've been going to this group. I've been using some of our money, you know, for the, the grocery money for me to go to this finance group. And he um, he wanted her to continue because the, the changes were evident. So that's our goal is that it's not going to cause um, conflict. I would have to ask some of our creative access um, countries, if they've had any, like, pushback. I haven't heard um, specifically that they have. Okay. All right. Oh, I see another hand. Yes. Uh, there are some who have traditional, they've raised support as missionaries. So they do traditional um, support raising. There are some who are salaried, and um, the CHE volunteers in their communities are (coughs) volunteers. So, um, yes. How would you get into contact with the community access? You can come talk to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you all.